Oh, I consent to being on video. Good evening, Top Fan Rivalry followers. It is Bill and Jackson because it's Thursday night. And Jackson and I were just talking about it offline and you just heard him say some legalities. Don't worry about it. But we were just talking about offline. Jackson, we're far past that at this point. <laughs> the, I'm, um, just, I'm just laughing. Yeah, that probably yeah. made it in. So hey. it's totally cool. <laughs> it's totally cool. But Jackson and I were just talking offline about how excited we were to talk about this. So we're not even going to give you like weekly statistics or anything like that. We're just going to talk about free agency market and the crazy, insane amounts of things that have happened this week. So Jackson, you're the leadoff guy. You, you. Let's just talk about somebody and somebody's contract. You go, ready, go. I mean, I'm not going to single anyone out to start, but I'm going to say. Uh... MLB, this is getting out of control. Um, yes, the owners have too much money. Yes, I understand the players need some of that money, but I'm sorry. Jose Quintana this in this day and age and Andrew Heaney are not worth $25, $26 million each. We need to we need to pump the brakes on this free agent pitching starting market, the starting pitching market. And it's to me, it's just ridiculous. The flurry of moves this week. I think, you know, I'll start out with the deal. The best val- Jackson's best value deal of the week, Wilson Contreras, five years, eighty-seven and a half million. And I know that sounds a little ridiculous, but, you know, for like a five-time all-star at catcher, you know, really good hitter. He'll he'll be productive all five years from the catching position, if not from the DH position. So I think that was probably that's Jackson's value move of the week. Uh, Wilson Contreras. Breaking news. Jackson values value move of the week. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, the value move of the week, you know, Crossing the rivalry lines. I, I don't know how like kosher that is or how, how well liked that's going to make you, but congratulations. You know, it's, funny, it's funny that you mentioned it because I interviewed a new gal, Michelle, who first time on the podcast. Um, It dropped today. She uh, she will say it herself. She was raised in Kansas City, but she's a Cardinals fan. So she's like raised in enemy territory type thing. But what was funny was she's like, I don't know how to take the Contreras deal because I'm so used to hating him as a cup. You got him for a great dollar amount. So, yeah. I mean, big shoes to fill. Yadier Molina gone, but I I think the Cardinals. That's a that's a fantastic move for them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about the elephant in the room at, before the end of this is over. But um, my first take on this whole offseason, I agree with you. And by the way, uh. For you top fan rivalry followers that are listening to this, if you don't have locker room access, please go get it. Use the code Jackson, and I'll tell you why. Sarah wrote an article. I asked her to write an article about the business of baseball, the fandom of baseball versus the business of baseball. And she took it from an entirely different perspective. And I thought it was amazing. Jackson, have you read it yet? Uh, not yet. Okay. She took it from an entirely different perspective about the fan not being able to afford to go to a game anymore because it's too expensive, like a family of four type thing. And all you've done with this free agency market is you've jacked up that a family of four going to a baseball game. Now you're looking at two to 300 bucks. Yeah. Which, which is, which is ridiculous because the TV deal should be paying the players, not the, the stadium entries, but you know, they act like it does. So if you haven't read that, please you know, please read it. Okay. Now 
my first take, you and I talked about this offline. I am going to single out one player. Um, I think the Cody Bellinger deal, great for Cody. Go get your money. Okay. Here's the only issue that I have with it. You saw Cody play under tremendous amounts of pressure last year, and it didn't work out so well for him. He has a one-year deal. If, 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 if he hits, because the shift is different now, if he hits 250 with 30 home runs and 100 RBIs, his stock value goes way up. If he hits 215 with 20 RBIs, I mean with uh, 20 home runs and 78 RBIs, his stock value is going way down in the offseason. I think he took a huge gamble with a one-year deal. Now, I know... You know, he came out and said, hey, I want to I want to gamble on myself. Great. I think it's too much of a risk because every at bat he's going to be, you know, stressing himself out. Jackson, your take. I mean, I agree, too. It's a, it's a lot of pressure. And I, the shift, the shift going away benefits guys who put the ball in play. Uh, mm-hmm. No offense to Cody Bellinger. He does not put the ball in play. <laughs> he was striking out over 30 percent of the time. Um so, I mean, he's really going to have to change his approach at the plate. He does hit a lot of fly balls as well, which is ridiculous. A guy of his speed should just be trying to hit it on the ground, like literally just, you know, the old Baltimore chop straight into the ground. Mm-hmm. He's on first base mm-hmm. every single time. But, yeah, uh, that that's probably here. Well, Jackson's most baffling contract of the week. Cody <laughs> Bellinger. <laughs> Breaking news. Jackson's most baffling contract. <laughs> yeah. The, Cody Bellinger making $18 million to play somewhere else. You know, you, th- you got to think if the Dodgers weren't re- willing to pay him $18 million, you think some other team would have wised up and been like, well, this is probably a little too much. Did you see uh, Josh Reddick's uh, Twitter about it? Oh, I, I did. It, it's funny because Josh Reddick at the end of his career was Cody Bellinger. He couldn't, hit, the, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. I, I thought it was funny just because he had the cojones to do it. That's the only reason I thought it was funny. But I'm like, uh, uh, not nice. No, uh, not nice. Not cool. I- anyway, so that's my first hot take. What do you got next? Um, I mean, as a fan of a team in the NL East, I'll I'll get rid of some of the elephants in the room. Uh, most notably, Justin Verlander's contract. Uh, when I read it, I did like a quadruple take. Yeah, because. The Mets are going to be paying $86 million there, $87 million, something like that. Their front two starting pitchers, both of whom are are very old and have a lot of mileage on their arm. If they stay healthy, you know, they're going to make me look stupid. The question is, you know, I know Verlander just had probably one of the best seasons of his career coming off Tommy John surgeries, and now he's 40 years old. But, you know, to think that he's going to go to a big market like New York, you know, they're going to be expecting him to lead them to the World Series. You know, it's it's the pressure is going to be different, and we've already seen he's he struggled in the World Series under pressure. So you got to wonder if that's like a factor. Uh, but you know, the Mets kind of putting all their eggs in one basket, even though they're short term contracts. I think it's a lot of risk because you know one one guy goes down. We saw Jacob Degrom the last couple of seasons. The Mets kind of. They start to crumble a little bit. I'm not calling it a hundred win team from last year. They they didn't like crumble per se, but they didn't play as well as they thought they should have. And I think True. you know they threw a lot of money at the starting rotation with them having significant holes in their lineup. 
Well, and they, so, it, to your point, they have $87 million going out this year to three players. To Max Scherzer, to JV, Justin Verlander, and to Bobby Bonilla. So. Yeah, I mean, and when you're already touching that luxury tax, it, it doesn't punish you the first two years, but when, once you start getting three, four seasons in, you'll see with the Dodgers, you can't sign anyone with a draft pick attached to them. Otherwise, you're yanking your first, second, third round selections, which is what keeps the farm going, which was keeps the window open, you know? So right. if your scouting department knows how to do their job, I'm right. not going to call any teams, but there are some teams whose scouting departments that know how to do their job. But I digress. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's a really big risk for the Mets. Uh, I'm personally not a fan of it. I mean, I wasn't too keen on the Braves signing Verlander either. I just think it's it's a lot of money for a guy, you know, either he's going to be really, really good or he's not going to pitch at all. Same thing with Jacob DeGrom to Texas. I think five years was too much, but, you know. 35 years old with 87 career wins. I mean, the guy, I, I don't understand how he got it, but, hey, good for you, Jacob. Go get your money, right? I mean, I would have let the Dodgers pay JV that much as long as Kate Upland's there at all 81 home games wearing a Dodger jersey jumping up and down. So maybe the maybe that was part of the contract for the Mets. I don't know. <laughs> you bring Kate in the game and you show up, we're good. We're good. So, yeah. No, I, I agree with that one. Um, staying in the NL East, I, I'm curious about how the Trey Turner deal is going to work out. And again, everybody – Good for you going to get your money. I get the fact that you, you're you giving up your freedoms. People are going to recognize you everywhere you go. I get it. There's no amount of money to give away a freedom. But um, an 11-year deal for Trey Turner at $300 million. Um, the guy is built for speed, right? He's, uh, for the most part, a contact hitter built for speed. He turns 30 years old before the season starts. What's he going to look like when he's 36 years old, 37 years old, and you still have five or, you know, four or five years on that contract where he's not going to be running anymore? What's it? I mean, he's an average shortstop, average defensively. His speed is what gets you there and his slide, right? Um, but I'm curious to see how that contract plays itself out in four or five years. That, that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, it's another one of those things. You know, the Phillies, much, much like the Mets, feel like the window is very open mm -hmm. and they're trying to get in. But the Phillies and the Mets, like the Braves, they have they have other holes they need to be addressing. You know, the Braves have been kind of making smaller moves to try to fill some some more key holes that the bullpen such as and such. I feel like the Phillies lost a significant number of players to free agency mm -hmm. and they're kind of going, they're going for the home run swing rather than, you know, trying to build piece by piece. And it's a little worrying, you know, Bryce Harper's out for half the season. So a lot of the pressure is going to be on Trey Turner, you know, cause he's the $300 million, the second $300 million man on that roster. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. 11 years is a lot, especially for a 30 year old player. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as someone who grew up in Southern California, it invokes the memory of Albert Pujols, which yeah. <laughs> playing in, Anaheim, which is never a good memory to invoke. It might be good for the first couple of seasons, but you know, I'm hoping he stays healthy because I don't like the wish injury on people. I like good baseball, but you know, I think the Phillies, they didn't really add any value defensively. I mean, and they added another big bat. Sure. But you know, still his career OPS 842. That's pretty good. But you know, last year he only had an 809 OPS and a star studded Dodgers lineup where, you know, 
Mm-hmm. He's bat between Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time, so it it is uh yeah it, it's insane that it, that one and we'll talk I have another one too that we'll talk about it on my next round but go ahead what's your number three my number three you know this was a kind of a tough one to talk about but I'll, I'll kind of piggyback on the trade turn thing just the shortstop market in general mm-hmm. uh you know Xander Bogart's getting two hundred eighty million dollars I mean. Xander's a great player, but again, another 11-year contract where you kind of stare at it and go, do you really want to do that? And it it kind of worries me. I think Carlos Correa is going to get, I'm not going to say shafted, but he's going to get stuck on a short-year contract again because no one's going to want to give him 11 years, especially with, you know, attitude concerns, you know. And he's going to want significantly more money than Trey Turner because he thinks he's better than Trey Turner. Well, it doesn't. (laughs) But it doesn't say a lot to you that he signs a three-year deal with an opt-out after the first season and he opts out after the first season. Yeah. so That, that doesn't scream, hey, this guy's loyal to us. Yeah. No, so I, I don't see an 11-year deal incoming for Carlos Perea. And as a, Braves fan, as a Braves fan, look, I'm going to say it to all the people that want Dansby Swanson back. He's not coming back. Uh, you know, if he's not. If, if Xander Bogarts is on an 11-year, $280 million contract, you know, Dansby's going to think, you know, after the year he had, he's going to command, you know, closer to the 200 million side. I don't think Atlanta's going to want to pay that for a shortstop. There's a more pressing need at left field. They have a homegrown option at shortstop who's serviceable defensively, you know, and Von Grissom showed he has a little pop in the stick. He was pretty good for, you know, about a month and a half before he started to taper off towards the end. But, you know, those are growing pains of being a rookie, you know, adjusting to major league pitching. So I think the Braves, their their more pressing needs are the bullpen and left field. So I think Dansby Swanson's out the door. You know, kind of miss Lieutenant Dans, but you know, if he comes back, great. I'm not holding my breath. Lieutenant Dans. Well, there there has been some talk about him uh, him being reunited with Freddie Freeman, but I, you know, again, he's going to command a lot of money, and it's hard. It's yeah. it's a hard argument to make. It's hard. He is the best defensive shortstop in the major leagues. Don't get me wrong. All metrics show he passes the eye test. He's flashy. He makes the hard plays look easy. But I just think with how the market is, with the free the contracts we've been seeing, you know, Atlanta's not going to be able to fork out close to $200 million over six or seven years. No. They're not going to want to, especially since they have the majority of the core locked up for a little bit. You know, you got guys like Max Freed hitting towards free agency soon, mm-hmm. you know, Got to pay Ronald Acuna when he's off, uh, you know, off his. Uh, I don't even know what to call his contract. The Braves straight up robbed him, and whoever his agent was, he needs a fire. <laughs> but you know, Gordon eventually, his rookie contract. We'll yeah. just call it that. Yeah, his rookie contract. So eventually, some other guys need to get paid, and I think Atlanta's going to make the what I think is the smart baseball decision, and you know, kind of try to keep the homegrown core together rather than overextending and overpaying for players that they don't necessarily need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, before we talk about the elephant in the room, by the way, the Bogarts thing cracks me up because to me, do you know what that move was? To me, that what? move was Tatis. If you screw up just this much, you're gone. You're gone. And I, I think that that's what that move was, right? Cause now they've got, They've got an 11 year deal. The problem that the Padres run into with that contract, though, is are they going to have enough money to pay 
um, Soto next year when he becomes a free agent? Are they going to have enough money to re-sign Blake Snell when you need to re-sign Blake Snell? Um, does Manny Machado opt out, right, of his contract after next season? You know, who's who's going to play first base? You know, they, they have a lot of holes. But here's I think the answer story. to all – I answer to those first three questions are no. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I had somebody texting me who you actually know. I had somebody texting me today that's a, a Padres fan, you know, bragging about the, the bogey deal. And I said, it's great for a second-place team. I'm, that's what you're going to end up with, you know. So before we talk about the elephant in the room and all rise, um, here's my third take. What surprises me about this offseason is the teams that are really, really good or historically have been really, really good, the Red Sox, the the Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers, um, the Astros, they're all putting things together, right? They're all putting moves together. What shocks me is the teams that have been what I'll call rebuilding, right? Mm-hmm. The Reds, the um, the Royals, the the Pirates, the A's, um, the Tigers, right? Some of those teams, Miami, they're doing nothing, nothing. And it's almost like they're throwing in the towel before the season even starts. And it's, to me, it's kind of frustrating. I don't know if you've, ever been to Comerica, but it's a great ballpark. It's a fantastic ballpark, you know, and nobody's talking about, you know, Javier Baez anymore, but, you know, put a couple of guys over in Detroit, both the NL central and the AL central are up for the taking. There is not a powerhouse in either one of those divisions. Like there is in the NL East or the AL East or the NL West or the AL West. So, I don't get it. I mean, Jackson, help me out. Am I seeing this wrong or uh, what? Well, yeah, I, I kind of laughed at that because it's true. And, you know, I think Cleveland kind of secure further strengthened their position on top of the AL Central by signing Josh Bell. Unironically, if they get half a good season out of Josh Bell, that's that's a wrap for them. You know, that's what they're hoping for. You know, Cleveland finally spends money and it's to fill a hole. So. I'm going to applaud Cleveland and their cheap ownership for actually spending money. Lowest payroll on opening day last year. They're dishing out a contract to Josh Bell. I hope he does well. I like Josh Bell as a guy. I think he's a fun hitter to watch uh, when he's on. But, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's surprising to me. Even a team like Baltimore who, you know, touted themselves, you know, as, you know, going after these big free agents hasn't really done anything no, to make themselves better. So there's a there's been a lot of, you know, the teams that have in it, are in it have been doing stuff where a lot of teams have kind of just like sat on their hands, you know, and twiddle their thumbs, you know, but, and yeah. it really kind of tells you that the, the state of baseball right now is a, a lot of teams would rather just, you know, go with the, the nineties and two thousands Marlins philosophy, or if you throw something that sticks and you win a world series by accident, great. If not, you're just going to sit there and make your revenue sharing money and hope yeah. for the best. And, it worries me as a fan of baseball as the game as a whole, because yeah, it's good when, you know, the traditional powerhouses are good, but you know, it's also good when there's actual competition for the playoffs mm-hmm. and that these mid market and small market teams, you know, get into it because their fans are just as good, if not better than a lot of big market teams. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what's the point of having 30 teams if only 20 of them are going to want to be competitive. 
So well, I, and you and I, I talked I, about this. I mean, it was pretty lopsided last this last year, right? I yeah. mean, how many was there? There was one, two, three, four. Am I missing one? There was four teams that had a hundred wins this season, mm-hmm. and you had six teams total that, or seven teams that had ninety or more wins, or a hundred. I mean, that's lopsided. You had three or four teams that were um, that had a hundred losses. I mean, and it's a, lopsided, and a lot of mediocre teams too. Yeah, and exactly. I think this free agent market's also been really interesting. I actually read an article. This might interest you, Bill, uh, that some teams might be saving up for next offseason. You know, Juan Soto's a free agent, and Shohei Otani's a free agent. And if you ask me, those are two much more appealing free agents than anyone that we had in this class. Uh, no offense to Mr. AL MVP Aaron Judge, but you know. If from like a marketing and a baseball standpoint, Shohei Otani's on the table, it's like you're going to pay $360 million to Aaron Judge or are you going to do it to Shohei Otani and have, you know, the greatest two-way player to ever play in the major leagues? Yeah, it, you know, it's funny, Jackson. I read and I don't – and I've been saying this a thousand times on my lives, on podcast. I don't – I hate the rumor mill. Like John Hyman, I love the fact that he had egg all over his face. Oh, that was great. I mean, that was that to me, I couldn't have like loved that more because I'm tired of all these talking heads thinking that they're going to break the biggest news. Um, but I will say this, right? Um, I did read an article. It looked like it had some substantiate or some substance to it um, that said basically Shohei has let the angels know because he's already said he doesn't want to play in a big market like New York. <laughs> Which, I mean, if he says big market, I, okay, so you don't want to go to L.A., you don't want to go to Boston. like. But apparently in the article, it was said that he let the brass know, if we're not competitive by the All-Star break, trade me to the Dodgers because I want to stay, I want to stay close. I want to stay local to my fan base. And even in the article, it had said something about trade me to the Dodgers and I'll be willing to talk and make deals like during the trade deadline for the season or two or three or four behind it. I don't believe it until it's inked up. I could care less. Right. But that would be an interesting thing for the Dodgers to trade for Shohei and wrap them up at, you know, the trade deadline. We'd have to give up the farm. We'd have to give up a ton of stuff. Yeah. I mean, but, yeah, even, even half a season of Shohei Otani's worth, you know, two to three all-star caliber players worth of, Mm-hmm. trading even if it is just you know a rental yeah no it's i mean look at what albert did for us as a rental i mean he ignited he ignited people around us and you know he hit well and i mean and i know we got kind of off topic for the free agency thing but a player like Shohei otani just like as a personality can supercharge your fan fan base and yes. you know you mentioned the dodgers and i think manny ramirez heading to the dodgers what that did for the dodgers the year he was there Manny that half season, yeah, that half season, Manny Ramirez was the greatest baseball player on earth as far as L.A. is concerned. Mm-hmm. No, yes, you're right. You're and, right. And it's going to be really interesting to see how these offseason deals shape, you know, the trade deadline and stuff like that. It's it's hard to upgrade your team when you have long-term financial commitments at certain positions. So mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> it's going to be a ride. We're in for another crazy season. But, uh, yeah, the market... It, it seems a little inflated and 
you know, if Aaron Judge is worth three hundred sixty million, how much is Juan Soto worth in his prime? You know, I guess well, it depends on how well he hits this year. If yeah. he hits another two twenty, I mean, he only hit two fifty and still got on base like at a three ninety clip. So I think he'll be okay. <laughs> All right. So with the last five minutes we have, Jackson, we can't not talk about All Rise. So let's let's give me your take about Aaron Judge. In the next couple of minutes, I'll throw a few things out there, and then we'll say goodbye to everybody until next week. But tell me, tell me your thoughts on on the Aaron Judge deal. I think for Brian Cashman, who just got a contract extension after signing Aaron Judge, it was kind of a move to save face. You know, I think Yankee ownership is trying to salvage something with the fan base, who's very upset that nothing has really changed over the last decade. I've mentioned it several times in the offseason. You know, the Yankees keep going with the same formula, and it's it's not sticking. So, you know, if I feel bad for you Yankees fans because, you know, your upper management, you know, gets the flashy move, but it, they don't ever make the right moves, you know. There's a lot of questions to be asked about the holes that the Yankees have, but most notably pretty much everyone in the infield <laughs> at this point. There's a question mark. Ah. Um, aside from aside from Anthony Rizzo at first okay, base, I was just gonna say ah. yeah, yeah. But you know, ah. second second third short, it, it's questionable at best. With you know some of the guys that they're going to be jogging out there on opening day, and I think the Aaron Judge move is more to save face. And you know, I'm worried for Judge. You know, congratulations for making three hundred sixty million dollars. I'm never going to see that much money in my life. But the question is, you know, if you're not hitting sixty home runs, how are the fans going to treat you? You know, yeah. and that that's what I was thinking. It's like if you go to San Francisco, you know, and you hit 30 bombs a year, you know, San Francisco, the Giants fans are happy to have Aaron Judge. They don't care. But, you know, with how New York is, if Aaron Judge isn't better than he was last year, people are going to call him a waste of money. They're going to boo him. At, they booed him at the plate in the playoffs. Can you imagine booing a player who's hit 60 home runs and carried yeah. carried your sorry team to the postseason? Yeah. So it's. He'll he'll be in Memorial Park at Yankee Stadium most likely, if he has another good five years. Um, Agreed. But you know, the the only concern I have about that signing is, and this is with anybody that has a big contract, right? Um, you know, John Carlos Stanton, uh, Juan Soto, all these guys that are getting big contracts. Um, the amount of pressure that the fans put you under is tough, and like you and I talked about offline. Right. So what happens if he has a really good season this next season? But in 2024, he goes through that dog day of summer thing where some players do. And he goes five for 42 with one home run and three RBIs. Everybody goes through it. Does it get mentally? Does it he's playing in the biggest baseball stage in the world? Right. I mean, he's not playing no disrespect to Cleveland, but he's not playing in Cleveland. Right. (laughs) And. So I just I that's my only concern about that big contract is now he's got the weight of that contract every at bat. And every at bat, people are going to expect him to hit a five run double or a five run home run. Which, yes, I know that that's not possible, guys. That's the joke of this whole thing. But it's just that's my only concern about it. I mean, it. You know, when Jackson, when you and I go through baseball reference and we look at some of the what these players used to make. The Rod Carews, the Paul Molitors, the Robin Younts, though they made really good money for that day, equivalent, nowhere near. Nowhere no. near. Nowhere near. And when you look at guys and 
that are Hall of Famers and you realize they only made $12 million in their career, which again, equivalent, pretty big when, you know, a mansion back then cost 500000 I get it. But still, that's a lot. Of, it's just, ugh. Yeah. So, that's my only thoughts. I mean, I, you know, you can tell me I'm wrong, but that's, that's my only thing. Oh, right. Now he's, now he's facing that contract, just like Mike Trout, when Mike Trout signed the big deal, just like, you know, Shohei's going to get next year, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So, but anyways, Jackson, I think we did a, a good services go around, don't you? Yeah. I mean, a lot to talk about. Um, you know, you mentioned Giancarlo Stanton and my, my baseball, my stat, my stats senses were, were churning. And I'd like to mention that he's probably a future Hall of Famer. Uh, mm-hmm. I know he's turning 33 this next year, but he has 378 career home runs. And every year he's been healthy for the Yankees, he's hit more than 30. So, you know, you put in three, four more seasons like that, hey, you're at 500 home runs. Yeah. I so. I actually think he's one, one of the only, and I know that Aaron Judge is still out there and he's got like 260-some-odd, something like that. I think Giancarlo Stanton is one of the only players that we'll see in the next – 15 years and their career with 600 or more home runs. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just an off note career, 890 OPS. That's what the hall of fame, the hall of fame juices in my brain returning. So, you know, with, with the announcement of the hall of famers, uh, congratulations, Fred McGriff, crime dog. Yeah. Crime dog. Shout, shout out to the crime dog, uh, making it to the hall of fame. Very deserved. Yes. Uh, um, but yeah, that. Uh, Side note, I was disappointed that Dale Murphy and, and Donnie Baseball didn't get in. Um, I was also disappointed that Steve Garvey wasn't on that list because he's got almost 2,600 hits. He deserves to be in, but he wasn't everybody's sweetheart in the media. So, I mean, the, the contemporary ballot has spoken, but we could be happy that Fred McGriff is in there because I'm sure if you guys remember our best non-Hall of Fame players, I'm pretty sure Fred McGriff is on the list. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. I'm pretty sure he was on my list. So I don't want to be on my high horse or anything, but I called it. Shout out to Jackson, baby. I called it. All right, Jackson, we got to wrap up. So here's the deal. Top Fan Rivalry followers, if you're listening to this, Jackson's our Top Fan Stats guy. Go follow him on on Instagram. Uh, Follow Top Fan Rivalry if you're not already following us. Get your locker room access. Use what code, Jackson? Use code Jackson. Use code Jackson. Here's the thing that you're going to want to know. A, you're going to want to read Sarah's article because I think everybody will agree with it. B, there will be at least one article a week posted by me there and a top fan. So expect a couple articles each week, plus the Around the Diamond with Sam and a few other things. There's a lot of stuff that you're missing if you don't have that access. So go get yourself the locker room access. Check out the merchandise. Use the code Jackson. And Jackson, let's do it again next week. You yeah, I mean. There won't be as many transactions to recap, but hopefully some stuff will happen still. There you go. Dan's be in LA. <laughs> Thanks, Jackson. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.